G'day everyone, I'm Steve Pallas, founder and CEO of Sports Community, and I welcome you to today's episode of our Doing Sport Differently podcast series. As I say before every episode, this podcast series has been made possible through our partnership with Vic Health, and we are truly thankful for the opportunity to share the success stories and insights of sports clubs around Australia who are doing sport differently. On today's episode, we hear from Dr. Karen Block and Naz Azim, key figures in the Bruin Count Me In initiative, a partnership project between the University of Melbourne and a number of community-based organisations, including Vic Health, Mary Health, Arabic Welfare, Moreland City Council, Hume City Council, Badminton Victorias, and several other key stakeholders. Dr. Karen Block spearheaded the initiative through her position at the Melbourne uh, University of Melbourne, and Naz Azim is the president of the Northern Badminton Club, a female-only badminton club in Faulkner, a northern suburb of Melbourne, providing a culturally safe space for women and younger girls who don't feel comfortable playing sport in a mixed-gender environment. Count Me In aims to increase opportunities and provide support for sports participation by culturally and linguistically diverse young people from refugee and migrant communities. Despite the many benefits of sport, young people from these communities have a much lower participation rate in organised sport than young people whose parents were born in Australia. I love this discussion with Karen and Naz because they highlight the challenges faced by many sports clubs when recruiting young people, and especially young people from refugee and migrant backgrounds. They also share their experience firsthand with the Count Me In initiative and offer practical tips and strategies for removing barriers to participation, which can be applied by all sports clubs around Australia. I'll share my key takeaways and examine the Doing Sport Differently principles for designing and delivering sports-based programs for less active people at the end of the interview. But for now, let's just let's just jump straight into my discussion with Dr. Karen Block and Naz Azim. Karen, do you want to just give us a little bit of the background to that that project, and and then we'll we'll go on the journey with you. Yeah, sure. I guess it started um, with some previous research I'd done, which showed, I guess, highlighted the barriers to sport, um, sports participation for migrant and refugee families and young people. Um, and I think quite a lot is known about those barriers, but not so much about how to overcome them. Um, and I guess this previous research had shown what, what was already known, which was around the fact that, you know, cost, things like cost and transport and family priorities, um, some of the reasons why, why not as many kids from migrant and refugee backgrounds play sport um, as, as the border, within the border community, but also just people not understanding how sport works in Australia. It's not actually that obvious how you go and join a club. Um, sometimes, you know, it's actually can be really intimidating if you don't understand how clubs work to just turn up and, and say, hey, can I play? Or, you know, to, to kind of get your head around that is not obvious for everyone. So out of this previous research, we'd, we'd seen some examples actually of individual clubs where they had employed people from the local migrant communities to help link people into the club. So our idea for Count In was let's work at a regional level. So we partnered up with Moreland City Council, Hume City Council, 
Merry Health, which operates in Moreland, um, and some local sports clubs. And we employed um, somebody from the Urdu-speaking community and, the, and another person from the Arabic-speaking community, because those were the two biggest language groups in that area, um, to be our community support coordinators. And their job was to go out, talk to families, um, teach them more, tell them more about the benefits of playing sport for their children, and then help to actually physically link them into the club. So we would be there on day one to help them register, to make sure they felt welcome. Also talk to the clubs about, you know, what some of the issues might be around communication and things like that. So really to support them to join clubs and then to keep, you know, continue to participate. So that's where we started. Um, and they, it was really successful. You know, we've got over the two years that we did the project, we had about 300 kids um, who'd never played sport before, joined clubs, joined mainstream clubs in a range of sports. Um, most of them had fantastic experiences. And um, and then the, the badminton club that where Naz is involved was, was just, it wasn't something we anticipated, but it was a fantastic additional outcome, I guess, from the, from the project as well. How, how did you first become involved in the in the Count Me In project? Um, actually, uh, with this Count uh, Me In project and Mary Health support uh, and Badminton Victoria support, uh, there were some badminton um, sessions that were run by and that were supported by Badminton Victoria. They paid for the coaches and uh, we uh, were asked to come and play. At the start, it was totally free for everyone. Then um, after a while, uh, we started paying a little amount, like around $10 for two hours play. So I joined that and um, started playing there. Um, after a few months, uh, uh, a need uh, arises that there should be some person um, out of the women playing who could to communicate with the coaches and communicate with the, the women to make sure whether how many of the women will be attending the uh, session or how many will not be attending the day. So I presented myself to as a volunteer to um, do this uh, task. Um, then it go goes on till uh, uh, like uh, we keep on doing this for another year or so. And after that, it happens that uh, uh, like uh, Sarvat, who is the coordinator uh, for Count Me In with Karen, she asked me if I want to volunteer as a um, uh, for Count Me In project because they have to collect some, they have to con conduct some surveys and uh, collect some data around uh, about it, the immigrant and refugee background, kids and women and everyone. So I offered my volunteer services for her. <laughs> that was the time when I started. Yeah, and it's very oh, typical. So typical of Australian sport, Karen, that you offer your volunteer and then somehow or other you very quickly become president. So uh, <laughs> uh, congratulations yeah. on being re-elected, Nez. Uh, I was attending a meeting with Karen and uh, other people um, from different sports uh, organisations. Uh, and by the end, we were just talking about badminton because badminton Victoria was no more um, after that, they said that now, um, if you want to, there should be some other option, um, and you should, you know, take care of yourself because how, how till how long they will be supporting um, just few women playing and going. So, uh, and Karen just popped the idea in my brain, and she said, "Why don't you start a club?" 
be a president and i was like can it happen is it possible and that was the route when i started thinking about making our own club and then i talked to few of the friends who are passionate about uh, the badminton because um to be honest i personally i am engineer myself but i didn't get job once i um, arrived in australia uh, my field job so i just started doing different volunteer works and uh, idea of getting my own club starting our own club that was amazing so that was the seed actually was uh, is actually provided by karen <laughs> she oh, is the <laughs> bringing people together and sorry and oh, bring people to get credit to credit for this club because if she hasn't said those those words that day definitely it would be here <laughs> actually can i jump in i just wanted i wanted to just go back a bit about how the badminton came to happen at all because as i was saying our original idea was really just about getting kids playing and then some of the mums um said well what about us you know we want to do some sport as well um and it so happened that you know big health funded our project and they had were also funding quite a lot of um state sports associations to be more inclusive as well and so they had they knew that badminton victoria was looking to um broaden out their participation base to include um more people from different backgrounds in badminton so we got talking with badminton victoria and they were really interested in in linking up with us so I went to our, our previous our first community support coordinator, Sawat, and said, um, well, what about badminton for the women? And she's like, Badminton? We love badminton. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realise that it was such a popular sport back yeah. in, in your home country, Naz. And um and so that's how it how it started originally. So it wasn't our plan, but it was one of those things that, as you say, Steve, when you bring people together, stuff happens, you know, and that was one of the things that happened. And we certainly will talk in in a moment about the social connectiveness side of it and the values of 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 socialising friendships and the the power to bring people together. But I'd like I'd I'd just like to go back a little bit, Karen, and and um, there's a few things that you talked about early that that are just givens in Australian sport that people like myself who have grown up in sport just don't realise is that there's there's well, I'd say the majority of the community actually don't actually understand, regardless of multicultural background, they don't understand how clubs work and they don't understand how to get involved. And the concept of volunteering um, is is not necessarily one that's automatic. Hey, if, my, if I get involved in the badminton club or my child gets involved in the netball club, there will be an expectation of the club that we contribute in some sort of way so those those foundation assumptions we really need to make them a lot more transparent don't we yeah that's absolutely right um and yeah we, we a big part of the job that we had to do i think in County in was really um working through the communication i guess between clubs and between communities so as as you exactly what you said you know people from um, newly arrived communities don't don't know how the clubs work. They don't know about volunteering. Um, things that we learnt along the way were that it wasn't necessarily obvious to everyone, for example, that you should bring a drink bottle when you come to play sport, that you need to wear shoes that are appropriate for running in. You know, all the things that, as you say, we take for granted, um, not everybody knows that, and some people do, 
But then we also found the clubs had a lot to learn as well. You know, they needed to understand, um, they had to learn about, for example, providing halal food. If you're going to bring in people from the Muslim community, that, you know, how important that is. They needed to understand, um, they needed to understand all these things that weren't automatic about these assumptions. They needed to kind of learn how, okay, you've got to communicate to people what the requirements are about, you know, bringing your drink bottle, turning up on time, um, letting the coach know if you can't make it, all those things that are just kind of, yeah, kind of we, we just take for granted. All of that stuff, you have, to, you have to be out there and be communicating about that. So, yeah, you're completely right. And, and in our, these things are coming up in every single week of every single discussion about about the way the community sports are operating. So this is not this is not a multicultural um, weakness in in the way that sport presents itself. It's just a we, a weakness in 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 pure engagement. Naz, when we when you kind of started to think about hey we're going to go from more of a social group to a more of an organized club you can't do that by yourself how did you go what was the response between within the community of people that had started to play badminton when you said hey let's do this and and let's um but but we're going to need your help along the way how, how was that received within within the community that were playing that was i can say it was amazing because uh at start, uh, three, four, we were five in total who were actually the key members of the club, but we were not the only one who were playing, like who were uh, doing something for the club. Uh, before that, uh, with the help of uh, Badminton Victoria and Mary Hallis and Champion, we had uh, seven trained coaches and all not all of them, five of them, um, when they heard about the, that we are starting a club and we talked to them and they were like we are happy to volunteer for the club at the start because we know that there won't be any funds there won't be anything and uh, then uh, the target for, for the girls one the girls session was the first one that filled up very quickly and moms were so, so supportive. They were, uh, few of them have younger kids, so they can't stay back. They just stay at the corner, but they really want, every time uh, we have a, um, a session, I receive calls, uh, Nas, can you, can you want my help? Can I come and help you for the session? Few of the moms, to be honest, played at the start with, with their children to make them feel familiar with the you know environment in the sessions uh, and uh, because to be honest previously there wasn't any proper set, um, setup i can say yeah. who should they talk to who should they go for if they are having any problems when this club was set i truly, truly received messages that now i cannot come my the younger one is sick or yeah. i cannot do so they, uh, they really, um, everyone owns the club because I think when we talk to them, we told them that we have started a club, they know that th that is for them. Mm. That was their, uh, um, uh, like, uh, because they liked playing in the club previously. They wanted something because when uh, Mary Health and Big, uh, Badminton Victorian said that there will be no more badminton and you guys have to do your own. Zavi and Sena for two terms, like six months, 
till we were just uh, fulfilling all the needs of a club and talking to Faulkner Leisure Center and the coaches and stuff. They did uh, just family badminton on the days when we used to do the proper badminton sessions. And uh, at that time, there was no proper uh, setup, nothing. They told the, the families that were, in, that were involved that we have to pay this this much amount to um, Faulkner Leisure Center. And uh, if we have uh, 10 girls, then we have to, you have to participate this month. If there will be less, you have to participate more. And they were happy to do that. So, yeah. uh, community, like everyone, whoever um, heard about badminton, Northern Badminton Club, we really got a really good response from uh, community uh, overall, like for girls. Wow. And and fantastic. And, and Gary, welcome to you. And for everyone else that's watching the live stream, welcome to you. Please, if you've got questions, put them into the chat. Uh, Gary, you said that I missed the word respect, and I think that's a great a great pickup. Karen, um, respect is a really important part of this. The club's respecting the community that they're looking to attract. Uh, how important is is the concept of of respect through this process? Yeah, I, I would say it's it's hugely important. Um, you know that everybody, I guess, is respecting everybody else. And I guess the other thing, I think, I guess, attitudinal thing that's so important is just an openness, you know, being open to learn um, and curious, really. And that goes that goes for all, all sides. We found some clubs, you know, um, were really open to learning about the communities that they were bringing in and really open to, um, you know, maybe slightly different ways of doing things or different different ways of thinking about things and and, and vice versa. So, yeah, I think respect and 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 an openness and curiosity and willingness to learn are the things that really make make it work. And for me, and for me when, when Gary kind of said the word respect, for me it was respecting the audience enough to recognise that within the club we may need to change how we communicate, how we reach out, how we how we engage people within the club environment. And I think the respect is acknowledging them and the, having the willingness to be able to do that um not all clubs that you approached were ready for to, for this sort of program is it, you know they weren't willing to necessarily adapt and change to make themselves more more open to to different audiences was that the experience or not yeah that's that's so true i mean i'd say every club we approached said that they were interested in being involved but they probably weren't actually ready as as you, as you say, they weren't, yeah, they didn't have that that readiness to change or readiness to adapt or, um, you know, they thought, yeah, great, bring in more people, but they didn't want people, they, they weren't ready to to see that they actually needed to um, to change some things, be a little bit more flexible, be just really well, be welcoming, I guess. I think there is a tendency in some clubs for people who run them to feel like it's their thing, you know, and if you come to their club, you you fit in with them, but it needs adaptation both ways. Unquestionably, I think that's the foundation, isn't it? And and again, I I want to be really clear that this comes through every single session. This is not a multicultural discussion. This is a discussion about hey, we'd like to have new groups join our club, and it's looking at it through the eyes of those groups and saying, well, what do they need to be comfortable, confident? 
um, to be able to do it. And Naz, you, you, you're almost apologetic when you said, oh, to be honest, the parents had to play a little bit with the kids before they felt comfortable enough to just come and participate. And, and what we're learning through this Doing Sport Differently series, series, that's just normal. It doesn't matter whether it's a Pakistani kid or, or, or it, it's, it's not a cultural thing. It's, it's what we're now finding is, is a key step in bringing, bringing new participants into our sports. So um, fantastic that you were able to do that. And did, was growing the confidence of the, the parents and the kids a part of the journey for you and feel, getting them feel like it was their club? How did you do that? Like, uh, I love my participants, all, especially I actually uh, coach um, the junior members, like from age 7 to 18. And uh, I feel a bond with them, to be honest. Like, when she, they, uh, when it, uh, like I entered the room and when kids come on, they give me a high five. Like, I have a really good relationship with them. And uh, after we uh, finished playing, they... They are more, after a few sessions, they were more comfortable to talk to me than to going and talking to the parents. Sometimes at the start, because definitely they don't know me and uh, none of the others around. They, if they need to drink water, they quickly go to their parents. If somebody feel um, a leg ache or um, any pain in the feet or something, they run to the parents and ask them. Now they ask, talk to me directly. Now that they, can I, uh, can I please sit? Can I uh, have a rest for five minutes? So that was the, uh, I think, bonding that create, that developed over a period of time with them. And uh, they shared their success at school and stuff with me. And uh, the best thing, that I can, and I was talking to Nick from Badminton Victoria. The best thing is, uh, if you uh, see the uh, statistics in Australia, uh, from the age of 12 years old till 18 years old, that age limit is actually, um, irrespective of which background the kids are, they try to be inside the homes on their laptops, on their devices. They're really, it's really hard to get them out of the um, houses and play. Um, and for this, I'm really happy that Northern Badminton Club, we uh, have more than 18 girls of this age group, 13 till 18, playing every Sunday, taking time out every Sunday, and they really enjoy playing. No matter if they have exams, if they have anything, they come out and play. So that's a success, I can say, yeah. And before we delve into that social side, I mean, you've both mentioned Badminton Victoria a number number of times and, and council. And what we would strongly recommend coming from clubs when they do want to increase um, their participation, just whatever, where, when you're starting on that journey, that that you reach out to council and you reach out to your state sporting associations because they're just tremendous resources and they want to help people. And that's the experience that, that you found, Karen, through this project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we had so many great partners on the project. Um, 
and, and local government, yeah, so we worked a lot with Mullen City Council and Hume City Council, and they were both fantastic. They both, um, you know, for the, for the badminton club, but in all aspects of the project, they really helped to link us into clubs, to support us. They were part of our advisory group. Um, they, Moreland City Council provided some funding towards the project as well. And yeah, same with, um, yeah, the state sporting associations as well. Um, yeah, they've, they've all been great. And I think for the Badminton Club, the other organisation that was really supportive was Faulkner Leisure Centre because they've really supported the club a lot. Um, you know, made, made I think they've made the, the hall hire just a bit more affordable than it might've been otherwise, but they've really, really been a great support too. So I think reach out to anyone and everyone, would <laughs> be my advice. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Naz, one of the things that you've done consciously or, or, or subconsciously that will set a, founda a foundation for many years to come is, yeah. is getting eight people uh, to be accredited coaches. So you're not just relying on badminton Victoria. You're, you're, as you say, you're becoming self-sufficient. It's your club helping each other in your community. Yes, you're right. Uh, we are lucky. And I give uh, credit to Badminton Victoria, Campion and Mary Hills that because of them, we realized that we can do it. And they actually um, arranged the sessions in which we um, like got trained and got our um, Badminton uh, sorry, BA level one coach certificates. So we will be able to coach this kids and the women as well so like if it is on our us like it's there it's due to these uh, organizations that really helped us to be on our feet like today if we are because at that time when um we had this thought that okay we have to start the club we are we were confident just because we know that we have our own coaches we have people who will be happy to play and and we know Faulkner Leisure Center since um, for the past one and a half years, we will we were communicating with them for the whole hire and stuff. So all the foundation actually started with them, with these organizations. Yeah, being with us. yeah that, And then uh, that gave us the confidence. Otherwise, I cannot like uh, if I haven't played badminton, I didn't know any of these organizations and anyone. I wouldn't have started a club on my own. Like if I like I just stand up, okay, I'm starting a badminton club. That was not possible. Fantastic. And and Karen, you've created a, a, a tips for community clubs, which I've put the link into the, the chat that with this uh, conversation and um it can be off, off the Vic Health website. But one of the key steps, and we haven't really spent too much time, was that multilingual or bilingual. Uh, community support coordinators. So, in your in your tips and checklists, that role is a really vital role. Someone with a, a real deep understanding, network, and contacts within the community to which you're you're looking to to invite to your club, and then uh, taking the information both ways. It, is it, just give us a, a bit of some tips about what sort of person is required when we're we're kind of introducing clubs to new communities. Yeah, sure. I mean, and you're right, you know, that that was the key part of our, our project, I think, was um, that was the kind of key part of the model that we, we were testing to see if it would work, would work. And so, yeah, I think someone who's, who's, who's really well connected in 
in the community is is great. Someone who's um, uh, again, you know, got that openness and respect and willingness to learn. Um, uh, we we were really lucky in that we had a, a Sawat was our first community support coordinator. And she was amazing. She's I think she sent out um, a message um, on was it WhatsApp or some I can't remember which. Anyway, it was a, she had a group on WhatsApp or one of those um, one of those things and to say, you know, we've got opportunities for kids to, to play sport who's interested. And I think she had 200 replies in the first week. Um, so that she was, you know, getting someone who's that connected was amazing. Um, but, yeah, so I'd say I'd say, say you need to look around your community say, well, what are the major language groups or migrant groups that are working here? Um, because often there are language barriers and so it's really great to have someone who speaks a community language um, and, and got those connections. Um, and, and if we're a club that don't necessarily have that at, within our club, then council is the great place to start and say, hey, this is what we're looking to do. And then most likely, like like Moreland did, with take you down into the community support groups. So whether it be Centre for Multicultural Youth or Mary Health or whatever the community group is for that community that does have those links, because one of the things the project um, – proved karen is that there's a huge demand in well in this case it's the the refugee and and migrant communities or newly arrived migrant communities they want to be playing or they want to be able to participate in in community sport yeah they absolutely do um we we certainly saw a huge demand and i think parents were really as um naz was saying Parents really worry about their kids sitting at home playing on devices all day. Yes. They, they want their kids to be out there and be active and be connected. Um, and so it is, it, it, yeah, once you reach out, you find that the demand is huge. And it's interesting. I mean, I guess one of the things we learned, well, a lot of the clubs we spoke to said, oh, we've, we've tried, we've done this. You know, we've put out flyers and posters at schools and no one comes. And it's like we... It became really obvious to us that that's not enough. Just putting up a flyer or handing out a leaflet to say come and play sport isn't enough. You really needed that person, that personal connection, who could say to the family, "It's okay, come along, we'll support you. This is how you do it." You know, just to walk them through those first kind of quite scary steps for many people um, about you know how to how to join a club. And so I thought I, th I found that really interesting that clubs felt they'd already done the outreach, but in fact. It, it, you need that. Um, yeah, I think I think that's one of the things the research has proven because what we've done up until now hasn't necessarily worked. It doesn't mean to say the demand's not there, and and that's what you what you've proven. Hey, Naz, with with regards to and the 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 social side, have you seen there been non sport benefits, whether it be social connectiveness, friendships, uh, mental health? The benefits that are coming out of the, the the club by just coming together and and bringing the community together have you seen that come through yes definitely because uh, even for myself i a uh, few of the people the i met them at the badminton club and now i am a very good family relationship with them there i realized that okay uh they have same age level children as mine and the children got together along together like very well. I had really good understanding. And then we started family meetups and it was really good um, in that sort. Plus, um, 
there are other um, like uh, community events happening up so they um, uh, invite each other to those events and uh, there will be more connections after that yeah definitely. even that concept of family meetups is so important it's going to be so vital coming out of out of COVID that we 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 are able to connect again um and and in a safe in a safe way so Karen, just in closing, because it hasn't always happened. Somehow or other, we we tend intend to talk for twenty minutes, and now we've just snuck over thirty minutes. So, <laughs> for for clubs that are looking, and specifically, I guess where they've got in their communities, they've got um, newly arrived um, migrant communities, refugees. What would be the the couple of tips and takeaways that you would you would say to clubs that have those community groups in their community? Yeah, I, I would say it would be yeah. Try to try to make it make contact with um, someone who can be that community connector. If you can pay them a small amount of money to do that work, because it's a big job, I think that's that's really great. I mean, some people would, you know, we do see clubs where that happens on a voluntary basis, but I think it's really hard to sustain that. It's 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 a lot of work. Um, yeah, but so do you know? Reach reach out. I know some clubs that have done it in the past have have said. Um, you know, they've they've found a parent, for example, who's who's well connected and keen, and and they've taken on that role of being that community connector. Also, for the clubs, talk to your local talk to your local councils and see what support they can give you because often they can help a lot. Um, in terms of barriers, too, I mean, the other the big barrier that we know for many people is cost, and I guess I was really pleased to hear again that the Victorian government is now going to be providing vouchers to people. Um, to help them cover the cost of playing sport, people on low income. So I think that that will help a lot as well. Um, that that will be absolutely huge. And it's um, you know, to be fair, it's about time Victoria caught up with the rest of the country. I think so. Um, yeah. That's a great positive. Naz, from your perspective, as you're you you've been on the journey for clubs that are uh, um, looking to reach reach out and and open themselves up to to migrant new new migrant communities and refugee communities what would be your tips or from your experience that you could share uh, as karen said the cost is actually the main because when somebody is coming from a migrant background like my, somebody is migrating to australia definitely um, we have like i migrated 10 years ago i had enough dollars with me because i know we are coming here with our children like we have lots of uh, amount in the bank, but at least till the time we didn't get a proper, proper job, that was the only thing we have. So we have to be very, I cannot spend that amount just um, uh, in this club fees and stuff. So um, I would definitely uh, go for like, if I find work, if my husband find work, and then when uh, we will realize that now, now it's the best time, that we can uh, put our kids to any clubs. Because um, I, I don't remember at the start, like for two years, we can't, we can't do anything like that. But after that, we put our children in Naboski because, and the swimming, uh, we started swimming program as soon as we arrived here. But we didn't put them in any of the sports activities until we were stable enough and um, like, because swimming is itself a costly program. So yes. just taking out swimming and we put them in uh, NAB Oscake. Though we don't, don't have any 
footy um, backgrounds and uh, we didn't know just to make uh, them aware that what footy is and uh, why everyone is so curious about footy. So then we just asked them to play it and that made us uh, feel something about footy because footy is never any, uh, were, was never our sport. In Pakistan, it was uh, cricket. That was for cricket, a person can do like die for it. Like if yeah, you yeah. need to travel to Adelaide and uh, for, a, for a match for uh, if Pakistani team is coming, I would definitely travel to Adelaide to watch that, that match. But uh, footy, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. But now, uh, after 10 years, I can say our whole family watched the uh, footy final on our couches with chips and popcorns in our hands. And we enjoyed it. <laughs> now we know what this is. So uh, uh, cost is the main thing that, um, as Karen said, because when you um, offer them free sessions or free few sessions, that will develop uh, the interest in them. And that will definitely help them to cope with that additional um, nobody can put um, uh, or I can say spend money if they they have a limited amount yeah yeah fantastic and I think that's a that's a great way to finish so Naz uh, the newly elected president of the Northern, Northern Badminton Club for another 12 months thank you so much for sharing your journey and Karen, the, the Count Me In research, which uh, there's a lot of information on the Big Health website as well on the research, um, which we'll put that in the links uh, with the tip sheet. Uh, thank you so much for sharing the journey. It's 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 a wonderful program. It's had wonderful results and uh, had lots of information that we can take to any club, to any audience. So thank you so much for being part of it. Thanks, Dave. That's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Hasn't it, <laughs> Uh, the, so it was a privilege to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Listening to Dr. Block and Nazazim talk about how clubs can increase migrant and refugee participation in, in community sport was truly fascinating for me. And as we've seen throughout the Doing Sport Differently podcast series, if clubs can don't adapt to meet the needs of the, their community, then over time they're going to struggle to attract enough participants to achieve their club goals and continue to be sustainable. Certainly, as Karen and Naz made clear, if you're a club seeking to recruit culturally and linguistically diverse young people, especially from refugee and migrant backgrounds, there are several barriers to consider. Not the least is the language barrier. The first principle of the Doing Sport Differently model is to engage in those we're seeking to include. Looking at the Count Me In initiative, the introduction of a community support coordinator was a brilliant strategy to engage their, the community they wanted to include in the club. In this example, young people from refugee and migrant backgrounds and help remove the most obvious barrier communication. Clearly, the connection between the families and the club by the community support coordinator was key to the Count Me In success. The second principle of doing sport differently is to think about the uh, participants as customers and consider their total experience. Taking time to have an upfront ongoing conversation with participants and their families about any cultural and personal barriers and suggestions for inclusion will help them 
families maintain participation at the club. Often there is a mismatch between the needs of future participants and what the club is currently offering. Karen and Naz also shared some great advice for clubs. Recapping on their top tips for me, uh, people from migrant and refugee communities will feel more welcome if the club make an effort to greet new families, provide an explanation of how the club works. Those of us that have grown up in clubs assume that everyone knows, but for those that are new, clubs can be quite intimidating and actually hard to understand. Teach families about the commitment required to participate at a local sports club and don't assume that they are aware of the, the requirements. Have an open, welcoming, can-do attitude. Have an appreciation for diverse cultures and learn how to accommodate different norms. Discuss and accommodate specific religious and cultural characteristics. For example, offer halal food, vegetarian food, female-only programs. Explain the uniform and equipment requires and requirements and be flexible with these needs. Accommodate full-length uniforms or headscarves, for example, may be a requirement. Take a flexible approach to collecting fees, payment plans, approved reduction for hardship, etc. Talk about the various volunteer positions and help the families become involved. All in all, the message is clear. Don't be afraid to have open discussions about issues that affect participation, in this case, by migrant and refugee families and how these can be overcome. Also, don't assume that people understand the sports system in Australia. While it might sound simple, education for migrant and refugee families about the commitment required at a local sports club is crucial. These are concepts many of us take for granted, such as bring a water bottle, the need to buy a uniform. This is a really important step that shouldn't be overlooked. Anyway, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. I hope you found the discussion as thought-provoking and as insightful as I did. As I say every session, check out the Sports Community website. If you're a sports club volunteer, if you know a sports club volunteer that needs help, then check out our website, sportscommunity.com.au. And go and check out all the great training programs, resources, all, define, all designed simply to make it as easy as possible to volunteer at your sports club. Finally, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to our sports community members. It simply would not be possible to offer so many great resources to, to sports club volunteers without your support. So, if you're not a volunteer, check out our website, sportscommunity.com.au. Check out the volunteer offers. And if you are, thank you so much for being part of our sports community. Music.